Hey gang, just want to let you know uh, that we had a few difficulties with the sound quality on this tipcast. So I do apologize for that. Caught a little bit late, but I wanted to get this out. Uh, but and just in case you're wondering, I am not on speed uh, during this tipcast, and we did actually uh, fix it halfway through. Although I'm not sure how we fixed it. Uh, so, anyways, just want to let you know. Uh, if you're listening to this, and we will be back next month. Thanks. Hello and welcome to the ESP Tipcast. This is Tipcast 102, where we are going to be discussing... Swimming and wetsuit performance. However, before we get there, I just want to remind everyone that this tipcast is not free nor easy to produce. Uh, once again, it'd be great if you could donate and help us out. You can head on over to www.espanswers.com, hit the donate button, head on over to PayPal, and you can send us a donation. We're going to be updating our donate page along with some other items uh, in the near term once everything wraps up with the school year uh, we're also going to be looking at bringing back some full-length podcasts as I've already mentioned and I will also be introducing some new products that are coming out uh, and things that we'll be looking at but until then uh, I'm going to shift focus and again this has been a busy month had a lot of stuff going on got, got some races coming up and sick for like a month now if, uh, if you can't tell by the sound of my voice um, it's really been kind of frustrating because I've, I've seen a lot of good training not really disappear, but, you know, instead of really trying to hit the high notes of my training, uh, I'm, I, I'm really seeing kind of a, a flat line right now. So it's a little bit disappointing, but such is life as an athlete. Uh, however, I'm going to take some time to actually talk about some, some pilot research that we did. Uh, and I do want to make it a little disclaimer here. Uh, this was a, a small study that we did. We actually ran multiple trials. Uh, on a single swimmer, which was myself. Um, so it's not not really um, truly a, a research study like I, I would say we are looking at getting it published, but more for the methodology of what we came up with. So I'm going to kind of go through that and, and try to relate it back to how to choose a wetsuit and, and, and really understanding some of the dynamics that go into a wetsuit. So to just kind of give you a primer, um, there has been some other research done on swimming performance, and we know without a doubt, if you add buoyancy, you're going to go faster, and, and that's been, been been shown pretty clearly, and, and if you're a triathlete, you know, if you put a wetsuit on, you are faster, and if you're one of those rare triathletes that thinks that somehow they're faster without a wetsuit, I, I'm sorry, you're wrong, okay, uh, but but we do know that to some extent, the faster you are as a swimmer, the less benefit you'll get out of that, and, and again, there are a couple reasons why, but the research that we did actually uh, raised some other questions about that as well, so what I wanted to do is really come up with a methodology and, and hopefully apply this kind of long term. Now, my uh, you know you know my job responsibilities are going to be changing, and I'm going to be talking about that next month. Uh, I will be leaving my current position uh, and heading over to a new school. So a lot of the equipment that I've built up that allowed me to do this study will not be available, which is a little disappointing. But I did learn a lot from it. And and what we were trying to do is come up with a way that you can look at different wetsuits and not uh, wearing a wetsuit as well, and try to tease out. Uh, what buoyancy 
does for your performance and what hydrodynamics do. And if you're not familiar with that term hydrodynamics, that's basically aerodynamics in the water. Okay. And so uh, a, a competition wetsuit is going to be very different from like a scuba diving wetsuit. And if you've ever scuba dived like I have, you know, there's a big difference. Okay. It, it's really like a second skin. It's got a slick outer coating, might have some dimples or some other rough edges around it that are similar to a lot of the aerodynamic cycling fabrics that we see now uh, that really try to try to try to maximize performance. And even some of the swimming speed suits that, 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 uh, you know, particularly the ones that were banned. Uh, so what we did is we took one swimmer, myself, um, and I familiarized myself with the trial. And that's really important when you're looking at research that involves performance. You want to make sure that the subject is familiar with the trial. And if you're going to do your own testing, and, and you could you could use this protocol, I'm going to put it up. Uh, if you're going to use your own testing, make sure that you test the, the, the protocol for several times because you really want to minimize the variability in between each individual trial. All right, so we did a number of familiarization trials and really what we were trying to do is get the, the variation between our first 800-yard swim and our second 800-yard swim down to under 2%, really, uh, you know, 1% is ideal. And what I found is that even with some fatigue differences, I was able to, uh, you know, do that second swim within about 10 seconds, which is great. That's exactly what you want to see. Uh, the other thing you want to do is you want to have what, what we consider a randomized crossover design where uh, all of the trials are run, and in this case, we ran two uh, two individual swim trials within one single swim session uh, and we did different wetsuits and non-wetsuits and with a pole buoy and basically every single trial was compared to no suit because in reality that's all we really care about is a specific wetsuit or is a swim aid or whatever it is faster than the no suit condition and so that no suit is our going to be our baseline or our benchmark and so what we need to make sure is that every single trial that we use a wetsuit or some other implement is crossed over with the non-suit trial. I mean, we do some trials, half of all trials, with no suit being first and half with no suit being second. And so those fatigue differences wash out. Now you see how that works. All right, so uh, what we did is we, we ran a series of trials, and I'm not going to go through all the individual trials. I will talk about the different wetsuits that we tested. Uh, and I do want to give a big shout-out, and I'll, I'll say another uh, uh, thank you at the end, but a shout-out to Xterra wetsuits for stepping up and, and helping us do this study because I contacted a lot of companies out there and nobody was interested. No one. And, and I know that a lot of companies are not doing in-house testing. I know Xterra does some in-house testing and some out-of-house testing because I've talked with somebody who tests some of their wetsuits. And, uh, and so they, they provided us with one of the wetsuits, and then I used some of my own. Um, and so we'll, we'll, we'll mention that. Uh, but I do want to thank them. So, so what the test protocol looked like is that we got a 300-yard warm-up and then we did one minute of rest, and then we did an 800-yard swim at what I perceived to be my one-mile or my 1,600-meter race pace. But I also used a metronome that assisted my stroke rate, and so my metronome was set at 76 strokes per minute uh, for every single trial. <coughs> and, and so uh, what that does is it gives you another security check, really, or, or performance check to make sure that your variability is going to stay minimal, uh, and that's generally what we saw. So we did 800 at this perceived race pace, we rested two minutes, and then we did an all-out 100-meter sprint. Then we rested 10 minutes, uh, and the 10-minute rest really was to allow us for those wetsuit trials to actually be able to get into a wetsuit, and it was very difficult. A lot of tri-slide, not endorsing that product, by, uh, oh, by the way, but that's what I used. Uh, a lot of tri-slide to get that damn wetsuit on when your skin is wet. Uh, so we had about a 10-minute rest, and if we were doing uh, a, a, a suit trial where we, we swam in the wetsuit first, and then we did no suit, we still rested 10 minutes. Uh, so... We did the 10-minute rest, and then we did a 100-meter warm-up, just to, you know, super easy, just to get going again. And then we did another 800-yard race pace, two minutes rest, and another 100-yard sprint. Okay. And as I said, two different 
conditions were tested and they were randomized and crossed over. Uh, and the different conditions we tested were uh, first and foremost no suit. Okay, we, we had a ton of no suit trials, and uh, and I'll talk I'll talk about those in a second. And then we had a high buoyancy wetsuit. In this case, we used Xero wetsuits, uh, their Vector Pro, which has the maximum buoyancy that is allowed by you. UTI and USA triathlon rules. We had a low buoyancy wetsuit, which is their Vengeance. And this is the one that is similar to a lot of other wetsuits on the market. You know, Roka and Blue 70 all have these variable buoyancy where there's less buoyancy in the upper body, maximum buoyancy in the legs to offset that, you know, you know that difference in buoyancy because your legs tend to sink, your, your chest tends to rise because there's air in there anyways. So this is supposed to give you that sense of swimming downhill or pushing your legs up a little bit more. Uh, and then we had the no suit plus pole buoy. Um, and then we ran an additional trial where we actually took uh, the maximum buoyancy one, that, 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 uh, that Vector Pro, and we added 600 grams of additional weight, uh, and that matched the buoyancy between that maximum, uh, you know, maximum buoyancy wetsuit and a pole buoy. Okay? And that's going to be very important uh, because what we wanted to do is first test the different wetsuits, see which wetsuit's faster, okay? Is there a difference? Um, and, that, and that tells us, okay, the, the wetsuits are, are, are similar in hydrodynamics. Again, we can't get specifics, but they're going to be similar. And, and so now we're, we're looking just at buoyancy, okay? Uh, and then what we want to do is say, okay, if we take out the wetsuit part of it and we just add buoyancy, how much does that add to your swim without hydrodynamics? And so we used a pole buoy that was kind of obscured, so, so, so it minimized the drag of the pole buoy. It was a small pole buoy, too. Um, and we added additional weight uh, to the wetsuit. And so what that did is it reduced their buoyancy. And if you're wondering how we actually measured buoyancy, we used hydrostatic or underwater weighing. This is a very good way, um, kind of the traditional gold standard, to measure body density in, uh, and then body fat percentage where we weigh somebody underwater. Well, it works awesome for testing wetsuits and for testing buoyancy and allowed us to very, very closely match buoyancy between um, the wetsuit and the pole buoy, but also measure the absolute buoyancy of all the different conditions. All right, so I'm not going to bore you guys with all the statistics um, involved here. However, uh, a couple things to note. Between all of the different swim trials, meaning that uh, when we look within each individual condition, no suit, high buoyancy, wetsuit, pole buoy, low, low buoyancy, whatever it is, the difference between the times, whether or not we swam at first or second, was about 2% meaning there was 2% difference between the different trials. That is awesome, okay? That's really good. We want to see minimal differences. And that 2% difference also accounts for the six-week period of time that we tested, okay? And so we, we had a long period of time, so you'd expect a lot of differences in maybe fitness or whatever, but we didn't see it, all right? And so we, we, we had very close uh, you know, cooperation between the trials, which is great. So now you're probably wondering what all the data showed. All right, so when we look at the 800-yard swims, kind of at that race pace, what we found is that, on average, I improved about um, uh, a minute and 10 seconds, or about 70 seconds, wearing a wetsuit. And yeah, there was no difference, okay? Uh, if we look at the differences in the two different wetsuits, the, the Vengeance or the Vector Pro, um, what we saw is about le uh, uh, about a one-second difference, which, um, statistically speaking, is not different, and realistically, it's not different. It's not going to make a difference, okay? Um, swim times for the 100-yard were also similar between wetsuit 1 and wetsuit 2. However, uh, there seemed to be kind of this consistent effect, and I don't, I, I don't want to get outside the statistics, but it, it, it seemed to be that that lower buoyancy wetsuit was a little bit faster, um, on a, like, like on average, if I can talk in kind of layperson speak, meaning that um, the differences were, were always consistently higher 
in the high buoyancy, maybe that 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 indicates that it's more hydrodynamic. Um, but it, but but it's really hard to say. We'd have to do a lot more testing, and we and we thought about some ways to do that. Um, but that'll have to wait. All right. So uh, if we look at stroke rate um, between the two different wetsuits, there there was no difference. Okay. So as you would expect. <laughs> Uh, as you go faster in water, you got more buoyancy, you're more hydrodynamic, you're going to get more distance per pole. And so your stroke rate is going to come down, and that's what we saw. Big difference in stroke rate between a wetsuit and a non-wetsuit, but no difference between the wetsuits. Okay. Now, in the trials where we were actually comparing uh, the wetsuit, the maximum buoyancy wetsuit, <coughs> in this case, the Vector Pro, with just the pole buoy, so we adjusted their 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 buoyancy and and by the way we did that by adding 600 grams of of additional weight onto the upper body to kind of push that 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 body down to account for that extra lift that would be up in the upper body so so when we did that um the pole buoy accounted for about a 25 second improvement in speed over wearing no suit okay uh, or no wetsuit whereas the wetsuit uh, was significantly faster at about 51 seconds. And I say significantly faster because the way we, we looked at the statistics, uh, we were looking at differences, the absolute difference in no suit performance. And we did have a, a, a trial where we actually swam faster in the uh, the no suit with the buoy had had kind of a weird trial there, um, but bottom line is that uh, you, you know if we compare wetsuit with just pole buoy matched for buoyancy, now the only differences that we really have are hydrodynamics, and so about half of the gains that we saw from buoyancy until uh, you know the faster speed or whatever in, in the wetsuit were from hydrodynamics uh, and then the other thing that we did look at is 100 yard times again because we wanted to compare no suit trials um, with just a buoy uh, and with the wetsuit okay and what we saw is that with the wetsuit you were consistently faster at about seven seconds okay so you're seven seconds faster which is about 10 percent faster with the wetsuit with the pole buoy there really was no difference, okay? Um, and, and so you'd be saying, oh, well, wait wait a second, that doesn't make any sense. You're, you're more buoyant and you're swimming all out and you're not really improving your time. And so what we think, okay, and this is my hypothesis, uh, not a lot of evidence to support it, but, but I think from all the trials that I ran, and this is why we need to do more research, is that the faster you swim, okay, the better the swimmer you are, the more important hydrodynamics become. Okay, and so it really starts to cancel out the, bo the, the buoyancy improvement. And part of the reason is, is that an elite swimmer isn't necessarily more buoyant in the water, but they have better body position, and so they balance out their weight better. And so, in effect, uh, they, they almost create like kind of this false buoyancy that improves their swim times. Uh, so, bottom line, okay, what we concluded from the data is that First and foremost, this is a pretty good protocol. I, I like it. I, I, I'd like to build on this. <coughs> but these data also definitely, without a doubt, support er, earlier assertions that buoyancy reach a, a, a point of diminishing returns. And they also indicate that wetsuit hydrodynamics play a much larger role in swim performance as velocity increases. So 
to put that another way, um, if you have more body fat, you should not worry about buying a very high buoyancy wetsuit. You should probably go more for fit and more for kind of the, the you know, the more flexibility in the shoulders. Uh, and this particularly accounts for women, okay, because women have about 10 percentage points higher of body fat on average, maybe 15%. And I've been passed by plenty of women who don't, who, who don't have the athlete's body and they're damn fast in the water. Okay. And, and, and they're clearly more buoyant. So if, if, if you have a body like that, or, or I think just in general in women, women have to worry about a high buoyancy wetsuit a lot less than guys. Um, if you're a, a super awesome swimmer, definitely go for the fastest wetsuit, which isn't the most buoyant wetsuit. Okay. You want the one that's built for speed, uh, it's the slickest and it's the most flexible and allows you the most range of motion and freedom of motion. I think that supports what a lot of the manufacturers have been saying. So that's not bogus either. Um, and then the last point is that when would you want a very high buoyancy wetsuit? Well, I think if you have cold water swims, more insulation, or if you're somebody who's doing very long distance swimming, <coughs> would probably be better to have more buoyancy, especially if you have to stop. Um, and definitely, if you are a guy um, or a woman, but, but, but definitely more a guy who is really upper body muscular, has a lot of muscle mass upper body, where their upper body is going to sink more, you want more buoyancy in the upper part of that, that or, or that torso in the wetsuit. And, uh, you know, final conclusion is that you don't have to spend a fortune on a wetsuit look at the wetsuits that are out there and find the one that's going to be best for your body type um, and also don't be afraid to get in the pool and do some testing of your own pretty easy and like I said we'll post this up on the website well folks that was our tipcast 102 if you want to learn more email me at www.es podcast at gmail.com you can also head on over to espanswers.com make a donation uh, and when we come back in May we are going to be picking up with uh, at least one more tip cast and we should have our next guest on I'm not sure which one uh, yet but we are going to be talking swimming and periodization and a whole lot more this summer so until then remember if you're not thinking ahead you're falling behind later